wow, thank you for taking a moment to listen to the Nova Church podcast. Our goal is to create a place where anybody can encounter God. If you want to share your story with us about how Nova Church has helped you in any way, or if you want to support the ministry financially so we can keep sharing messages like this one, please donate at novachurch.tv. Thank you once again for spending a few minutes with us. Our prayers that you will be encouraged and inspired by today's podcast. Mark chapter 12, we just ended a series called Tough as Nails. How many of you feel a little bit tougher after? Cool. So um, we're going to have a cool, cool sermon today. Next week, I want everyone's attention right here. Next week, we will be across the hall um, in the auditorium or the banquet rooms. Um, and then the children's will be on the other side in that hallway. It's going to be great. Uh, our teams met there. Uh, on Wednesday, and it's going to be super fun. I'm excited. It's going to be a little bit closer. You, we won't have these huge aisles. Might have some coffee for you so that it's easier for you to say amen. It's going to be awesome. So uh, Mark chapter 12, uh, we're going to jump into a sermon today, one that I've kind of been prepping you for the last couple months, um, and it's called Avoiding Election Infection. Okay, so real, this is going to be fun today. If you, if you think Jesus and church, you can't laugh and you can't have fun, um, I invite you to go on this fun journey today uh, of where we're going to talk about something that's going to be pretty, pretty practical um, but can be transformational in your life. So, uh, but really quick, I, I just want to take a survey and kind of get a pulse. I feel like I know you guys, um, but uh, this will be fun. How many of you believe that church and preachers specifically should not cross with politics? ever. How many of you? That's you. You can be bold enough. Nobody? Okay, sweet. Um, how many of you, um, how many of you uh, with this election that's coming up, um, how many of you get nervous when it gets brought up and uh, like people are talking about it and it gets tense? How many of you, it makes you nervous? It makes you nervous. I'm going to need some crowd participation today, y'all. This is, this is, we're working through this together, okay? Um, how many of you, you, you kind of like it? You're like, yeah, I, I kind of like to argue. That's just who I am. Yeah. How many of you are like me? You bring it up just to watch, right? Yeah, see, that's me. I'll just like, I won't even know what's happening. I'll be like, yeah, did you hear what Donald said? And I'll just watch as the two types of people just like manifest. And I'm like, that was great. So, um, so yeah, so uh, really quick, uh, I, I want to give you a challenge today. Okay, a challenge today that I want you to hold on to um, between now, I mean now and forever would be great, uh, but, but, but now and November 8th. November 8th, I want you to do this challenge. I think you're up for this challenge, but I'm going to propose it to you right now. I want you to put your faith in front of your politics. I want you to put your faith in front of your politics. Now, if you're a Jesus believer, if you're a Jesus follower and you're here today, uh, this is kind of a weird season. Can we agree? Um, if you're not a Jesus follower, if you don't follow Jesus, man, you're very um, invited to go along and kind of learn how Christians should conduct themselves in the midst of an election. Uh, and we're, we're going to learn about that today. But uh, how many of you, I mean, if, if you think about it, there are people here today who your faith is the reason why you believe what you believe. You're like, Trent, I'm so glad you're talking about this because there are people in this room who need to get it right. I mean, not right like Republican right, but need to get it correct. Right? Not right. Anyways, but 
I mean, some of you are like, my faith is the reason why I'm a Republican. I mean, God's always right. Jesus is always right. The Holy Spirit's always right. Republicans are like, are you kidding me? Like, Jesus asked Matthew to be a part of his group. Matthew was a tax collector. Tax collector means publican. I mean, it's right there. Jesus is for Republicans, right? And the Democrats are like, are you kidding me? Like, Jesus was a health care machine. You with me? Okay. All the young people are like, I don't get these terms. <laughs> I don't get it. He, Jesus is always going after the rich people, so of course Jesus is a Democrat, right? Like, but then the libertarians, the libertarians are like, Mary, are you kidding me? Like, it's right there. The first, the top famous verse, all the Bible, John 3, 16. The second most famous verse is, you shall know the truth, help me finish it, and the truth will set you, meaning liberated. So even Paul says this, he wrote a letter to the Thessalonians, and he says, work diligently with your own hands and mind your own business. So clearly... Jesus is a libertarian. So how do we, how do believers navigate these waters when it comes to this election? Did I offend anybody yet? But what should we do? I mean, I'm following Jesus. I'm trying to have a good attitude. And how do we do this? Well, in this case, we're going to not just have to read about something journal it, and then Instagram it, we're actually going to have to put something into practice to learn how Jesus handles politics, how Jesus handles governmental leaders and people who are over the law. I'm going to help you today learn how Jesus Thinks. One thing that Jesus was faithful in, one thing Jesus was consistent in, one thing Jesus never ceased to do was put faith over politics, meaning he always, no matter what, put people first. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him won't perish but have eternal life. Jesus is pro-people before he is pro-politics. We as believers have to learn how to navigate these waters. I think it can actually help us in our cause of our friends coming to Jesus if we can do this well, especially in a season where the world is going berserk. Okay? So, let's go to Mark chapter 12. Are you there? Are you there? Okay. Mark chapter 12. I, I really hope you can have fun with me today or this is going to be awkward. Okay. Mark chapter 12, Jesus gets approached by these law doers, these law keepers. And they ask him a question. One of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to this debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is most important? 
of all the laws of the land, which one is most important? One thing you need to know about Jesus, Jesus did not come to the planet to take sides. He came to take over. And we can't just say, well, Bible first, politics second. Because if you know your Bible well enough, you'll be able to manipulate it to bend it towards your political belief. Like I just did right in front of you. And you can't just say Jesus first, politics second. Because if you know Jesus well enough and if you study Jesus enough, you can find phrases and words that bend his message towards your political belief system. So you cannot say Bible first, politics second, uh, Jesus first, politics second. What we all have to agree on and what brings us together, the common ground for all Christians and the common ground for every person on the planet is that people are good for people. So what's best for America isn't a Democratic agenda, isn't a Republican agenda. It is a people taking care of people agenda. Jesus, what's the most important law of the land? Jesus replied, verse 29, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord your God is the one and only Lord. Here it is. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And all the Pharisees and the law people are like, got it, we can do that. But before they can take a breath, he says, uh-uh, I'm giving you two. Because there's a lot of wiggle room with love the Lord your God. You can kind of do whatever you want as long as you love God. There's too much wiggle room under that broad umbrella of thought or belief. So you can't just say, love God, because people can murder people in the name of God. People can, husbands and dads can leave their family because they love God. People can do some pretty dumb stuff in the midst of loving God. So Jesus says, it's not just loving God, but it's also verse 30 or verse 31, the second is equally important. You must love your neighbor as yourself. No commandment is greater than these. What is he saying? He's saying you have to love God, and you also have to demonstrate that love for God, not in church attendance, not in the checks you write, not in volunteering, not in getting tattoos, but in loving others. He says, that's how you know you love God. Another writer says about these two commandments that all of the law and the prophets hinges on these two commandments. That means if you were stranded on an island and you forgot what your Bible said, if all you did was love God and demonstrated that love for people, the Bible would be lived through you. Because all of the law and the prophets hinge on those two commandments. So now we know where Jesus stands in this whole political system. He's not really a Democrat. He's not a Republican. He's not a Libertarian. But how, how do we as Christians navigate these waters of putting our faith first and our politics second? Well, you have to do what Jesus did and put people first and politics second. 
That's how we're going to get through this season. That's how you and I are going to take care of the people around us. Now, I'm going to kind of shift gears. When people behave, actually I say it this way, there's a reason why people do what they do. And you may not understand why they do what they do. So you're like, I can't believe they would say such a thing. I can't believe they would believe such a thing. I can't believe they would vote for such a person. I can't believe that they would say this or do this. When there's something you don't understand, this is deep, it means there's something you don't know about that person. So in this season, because some of you are like, man, if he votes for such and such, I don't know if I can talk to him anymore. We might, we might have to move. Like this is, I don't know if I can handle knowing who they voted for. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the church. I'm going to leave the city. I'm going to have to figure this out because I cannot sit next to someone who voted for Hillary. Right? <laughs> are you good? Is this wrong, Dad? Should I not be doing this? Okay. All right, get mad at him, not me. He said I could. So send me an email, stevemaestro at gmail. It's going to be awesome. Uh, I'm just kidding. But we have to think, if we don't know why they do what they do, that is an opportunity for you to learn something. And if you don't think you need to learn anything, that makes you ignorant or insecure, or it makes you God. You're not the third one. Newsflash. So, how do we kind of spin this season in our favor? Go from being a critic to a learner. And I'm going to teach you four questions you can ask somebody when the conversation is going down and you get nervous, and you want to roll your eyes at your boss, and you want to roll your eyes maybe at your spouse for what they said about a video that they saw, and you don't want to say anything, or when you're the one who is thinking, how could they do that? How could they say that? How could they believe that? I'm going to give you four questions in this fascinating sermon that will help you learn and grow. Amen? Is that okay? Now, I came up with these questions, and they might be stupid, but they help me work with people. So, uh, next week, we're going to talk about faith. I'm going to preach from Acts chapter 3. It's going to be really fun. I'm going to have people on stage, and I'm going to talk about four Ps, and it's your pathways and people. I'm already preaching next week, but just come back next week. Take a deep breath. Go get yourself some good coffee. Forget about this morning, and we'll see you next week, okay? If these questions are bad, I'll let you be the judge. So you're in the moment, you're in the conversation, you're, you're mad at the person you're talking to. Instead of getting angry, here's the first question. Here's the first question. I want you to write this down. I want you to remember it. And don't get mad at people because you're a Christian. You need to be nice to people and be generous to people because you're like Jesus, right? Question number one, what led you to that view? What led you to that view. I'm voting for such and such. Huh. I don't like such and such. What led you to that view? Because what you're getting when they say that one sentence, 
you're just getting the end of a long process. You're getting the caboose of a train of thought and experiences and stories. And what you just did is you just invited that person to share with you a piece of their story. And when you begin to understand them, understanding is an, a, a, a connection emotion. Or sympathy is a connection emotion. When we have sympathy with someone, we're connecting with them. When we understand somebody, the temperature or the tension in the room begins to go down. And so we need to ask them. Well, I'm voting for such and such, and it just infuriates you because there's going to be bad. Hey, what led you to that view? And as they begin to share their story, you're going to go, oh, because you should have an opinion. You should. And you should share your opinion if someone can learn from it. But, should you lose influence over your opinion because you wanted to drive a point? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But Trent, if they don't believe, then they're not going to vote the right way. And our nation is a dropout. No. Uh -uh. It's not. God is in control. Right? Either we believe it or we don't. Okay? Our eternal state of our soul is taken care of. I should be the most confident, compassionate, and curious person that people encounter. For instance, you, you, you shouldn't fear science. Christians are freaked out about science. I love science because science keeps proving God's reality over and over and over again. So when I hear like, oh, they found a new planet. Oh, they found a new fish. Oh, here's how they found out something about the human eyeball, right? It's like, that's how God did it. That's how God did it. They're putting words to mysteries that God's known for ages. So don't, don't, be, don't be spooked. Science is in our favor as believers. Any road they take, any trail they take at the end of it is God. So it just is what it is. So we invite them to tell their story, okay? The second question is this. second question is this. I want to make sure I say it right. Have you always had that view? Have you always had that view? Have you always believed that? Have you always saw it that way or seen it that way? Whatever. Have you always believed it like that? You might find out that they changed. You might find out that they used to believe something uh, different. And something convinced them, something persuaded them. That is a moment for you to not be a critic and learn. Because the eternal state of your soul is taken care of, you don't got to panic, and you can ask questions and learn about the people around you. You're okay. You're okay. Go back and listen to Tough as Nails and the Fear Not Doubt, Not Worry Not. You're okay. God's got you. He's going to take care of you. Okay? Third question, and this one, don't put it up on the screen. If this one is, if you want to be a bit snarky, I've learned this question uh, in the church world, when people start talking about people they don't know, and when they, like, start saying things they don't know, uh, is this one's fun for me to ask, okay? So the question is this, oh, have you ever met them? You ever met them? I love it. It makes me so happy. And what I do, so uh, it's, it's, it's kind of like this. So, man, so-and-so is just, dude, 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 oh, 
Have you met them? 99% of the time, they're going to say no. And I just say, oh. And I let the silence just squeeze them. It's awesome. I just watch them like, ah, 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 right? Like, it's, this is the best. Okay. So they ask them, have you ever met them? Because odds are they haven't met them. And then this is a great follow-up question to the first question, but it kind of sets the playing field, and it kind of lets you know that everything that gives you confidence to say what you said is kind of uh, dethroned. And the question is this. You know what? I get most of my information from the media. How about you? I get most of my information from the media. How about you? Pretty much saying you have partial information, I have partial information, and we're both probably wrong. So why would we create relational friction over partial information? Why would we create relational friction over partial information. The next time you're in the room and the temperature is lifting in the room and it's getting tense and it's heated. Oh no, this country's doomed. Did you get that off that website? Because I read the same thing and I think we're both partially informed, bro. Let's not create relational friction over partial information, that is by definition stupid. Foolish, not worth it, dumb, bad investment, it's a waste of time. Because here's what you have. Why are we here? Why are we here on planet Earth? We are not here to persuade people to our, our political beliefs, right? We are not here, if you're a Republican, you are not born to make more people Republicans. If you're a Democrat, you are not born to make more people Democrats. If you're a Libertarian, you are not born to make people Libertarians. I'm asking you to be a Jesus follower first, Republican second. I'm asking you to be a Jesus follower first, Democrat second. I'm asking you to be a Jesus follower first, Libertarian second. Is there any party I'm leaving out, Dad? Okay, cool. I just offended someone right there. What about me? I don't know. It could be one I don't even know. Anyways, Canadians, do they even have one? I don't even know. So, uh, <laughs> they, don't even, they don't even vote. What am I thinking? Ah. So here's what you have. Here is why you exist. You're a Jesus follower. You have what's called influence. The Bible says you have influence. How does the Bible say that? It says it by this phrase. You are the light of and salt of the earth. You are the light and salt of the earth. So why am I here? I'm not here to make more people Republican. I'm not here to make more people Democrat. I'm not here in this sermon to persuade people to a certain party or to a certain person. I'm here to remind you that you are more engaged and involved in things like restoration of families, clothing naked people, feeding hungry stomachs, that is what is our main focus. Doesn't matter whose president can stop me from doing that. Well, if we don't vote, don't even go there. I can walk out right here and give someone the shirt on my back for the rest of my life. That is why I'm breathing. I'm not breathing so that I represent a certain color in a certain room and a certain side on a certain room with people who make these decisions that I don't even know. My job is to take care of the people around me, correct? That's your job too. Take care of the people around you. 
and to lead them. You have what's called influence. Listen, leadership, leadership 101. Leadership is influence. You do not lose your influence unnecessarily. You do whatever you can to keep your influence. You, you pay whatever price you need to pay to keep the salt and light that God's given you. So you do not drive home a political point because you will lose your salt and light. And shame on us as believers if we are bombarding our neighbors and co-workers in four, six, seven months from now when the president is elected, whoever they are, and that person who you burn to get your point across goes bankrupt or loses their job or is getting a divorce, and you have the answer, but they won't go to you because you burnt a bridge for a point. Shame on us as believers. Don't lose your influence. Keep your influence. Ask those questions. Ask yourself those questions. Why do I believe what I believe? Why do you say what you say? Have you ever believed the opposite before? Go back to the moment where you changed your mind. Changing your mind doesn't make you bad or weak. Some of the smartest people on the planet change their mind every day they're always learning. Stop drawing thought bubbles over people's minds. Stop throwing thought bubbles over people's minds. Be a learner first and then a critic. Some of you need to tattoo that on your forehead. Be a learner first and a critic second. You know what I love about this country? And I love what I'm about to say. I love what I'm about to say about the United States of America. I love my country. I am so blessed to be born in this country. I love it. I love it. Should you have an opinion? Yes. Should you share your opinion if it means somebody else will learn? Yes. Should you prove your point or your opinion at the expense of a relationship? No. Why? Because your opinion does not count. Your vote counts. You will have the opportunity in November, on the voting day, November 8th, right? Election day. I made a PowerPoint, but it's, I just, he's done a lot more than them than me, so I just make sure I'm right. November 8th, you get to wake up that morning and you get to pray. And you get to go, God, I'm going to get my heart right. You are in control of this nation. You are the one that's going to make sure this nation is okay. There's actually a verse that says that God is the one who puts people in office. So, God, you are in control. Now, Lord, I need peace in this decision. My prayer is that between this moment and the moment I put pencil to paper next to a name that you will guide me all the way to that moment and you will help me make a decision and you will help me conduct myself in a way that brings you honor. That's the decision you get to make as a Jesus follower here in a couple weeks. I'm asking you, I'm proposing to you a challenge that between today 
and November 8th that you put your faith, you put people in front of politics. Amen? Can I pray for you? Let's do this. Father, I thank you so much. Lord, that I didn't fall and biff it on the stage with this water. Lord, I pray that your power would help us in this season. Lord, we need, we need grace. We need help. Lord, this is such a prime opportunity to share and shine your light. And Father, I just pray right now, or for the power of your love to just flow from us, help us remember how to take the temperature down in a room, how to take the tension out of a conversation, because the person we're talking to is way more important than the decision we're going to make. So, Father, today I pray that you would help us get our values right. You'd help us put people first. And you would help us understand that you died for people. You did not die for politics. So, Lord, help us get on that page. Help us lean into you. Help us learn how you do what you do in putting people first. Our greatest commandment is to love you. And love people. Lord, I pray that we would be able to demonstrate that and walk that out in this next season. Lord, I pray you give us grace. Holy Spirit, remind us when we're not putting our faith first, Holy Spirit, remind us to put people and our faith first. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You doing okay?